AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, a dandy in the greens on Friday as funds hit the sell button while cattle and hogs continued to push to new highs for the move. Hotter than expected GDP data Thursday was followed up with more of the same in the PCE number on Friday. We'll look at what all this means for the markets. Live from the final molasses cookie broadcast via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we feature a conversation with the Water Street Swami, the pride of Chi-Town. He puts the edge in hedge, Ted Seifred. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, filling in for Chip, join me in welcoming Michelle Rook. Thanks so much, Davis. What is your favorite cookie, by the way? My favorite cookie? Um, yeah. Probably shortbread. You talk about cookies a lot. Yeah, yeah. no chips in a molasses cookie. Those are pretty good, you know? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I never pegged you for a shortbread kind of guy. I'm a shortbread guy. Well, now, here's the thing. I'm an equal opportunity cookie enthusiast, all right? It, I mean, even those weird little things, like, what do they call them? Snowballs? The chocolate snowballs that they oh, try to pass the off as cookies? Oh, coconut on top of Ugh, I hate I'll those. I'll eat those. I'll, I'll eat them. You know, you, 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 you take a dead bird, right? You put a sign on it that says cookie. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Okay. Yeah, now you know. All right. Well, like I said, a lot of cookie references here, but shortbread... <laughs> It's kind of boring to me, and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not the first thing that would have come to mind as far as your favorite cookie. What no, I figured I think you'd figured think... be you'd be mm-hmm. something much more complex and exciting than that, like a macaron maybe, or or a maybe. snickerdoodle, maybe a snickerdoodle guy. <laughs> as I recall, you're a you're now see you go with the standard baseball apple pie and Chevrolet. You like the chocolate chip cookie, the classic, right? Is that? I is do, but if mm-hmm. if you want to know my real weakness, Ooh, it yeah. is sugar cookies with frosting. Don't ask me why, because I love chocolate, but I don't yeah. know what it is about that. So wow, I'm with All you. Right. We now should go get some sugar cookies with frosting on them sometime. That does yeah. sound really good. I'm changing my favorite now. That's going to be my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, still I want in with. Okay, that, go ahead. Well, I just got to say, I got. I'm sorry to interrupt you here, because uh, you're doing such a darn good job. Uh, for us don't jinx me no 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 uh i i think you've got this um everybody michelle stepped in here kind of uh into a circus here chip and i have been doing this for like 10 years or something and michelle uh has been good enough to help us out to send us plenty of her time michelle you have exceeded expectations this week and i just i want to say publicly i really appreciate you being here with us thank you and for picking up some of the slack for us right here on agritalk i hope you're i hope you've enjoyed yourself well, I have, you know, radio actually is my background mm-hmm. more so than even television. And so I was glad to get back in doing some live radio and mm-hmm. I appreciate you putting up with me. <laughs> well, you got a face for TV, though. That's the thing. You can't waste it on oh. radio, Michelle. Come on. All right. Well, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> I, I guess I'll take it as that. For sure. For sure. All I got right. some news here if you're interested. Yes. 
please kick us Let's off. Let's get there. Let's get there. The love end is over. Following a string of gains, corrective selling overtook the wheat market today. Chinese customs authorities have included Argentina in its list of countries eligible to export wheat to China. This according to a statement by the Argentine government earlier today. March SRW futures retreated below short-term and intermediate moving averages. Next support is at 591 and a quarter. Market bulls will be looking to 612 in March SRW futures as next resistance. Also, Michelle, as we discussed yesterday, China rumors. March HRW no, 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 wheat no, no, futures, no, no. 12 and a quarter cents lower, 624 and three quarters. March SRW slipped 12 cents to six bucks and one quarter cent. March spring wheat closed at 703 and one half down five and one half cents today. Also, China rumors, Michelle. No, actually, it works the opposite. We didn't get confirmation of the China rumors today, so that's why the market was down. Aha, uh-huh, that makes sense. Well, on the week, uh, it was it was a little surprising to me. March hard red winter wheat futures on the week up 16 and three quarter cents. March soft red wheat up seven on the week. So all told, not too bad, despite a lower performance to end the week here. Yep, those weekly closes always surprise me. Well, corn futures followed wheat to the downside in today's trade. More ships carrying grain were diverted from the Suez Canal to sail around the Cape of Good Hope this week after attacks on vessels in the Red Sea. According to authorities, 16 vessels were confirmed this week, taking total grain cargoes diverted to some 3.9 million tons. That's up from 3 million tons last week. Brazil's state of Paraná is expected to produce a first corn crop of 2.6 million metric tons as state agency Deral reduced its estimate to a level 31% lower than last year's harvest. March corn futures fell 5.5 cents to 4.46 and a quarter. May corn dropped 5.5 to 4.55 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 4.63. That's down 5 and three quarters today. A couple of things here, Michelle. Um, those cargoes were, were at 3.9 million tons this week. That's up from 3 million tons last week. If we keep adding a million tons to the number of ships that need to go around the Cape of Good Hope, oh, man, we've got problems. Right, and shipping costs have doubled as a result going through the Red Sea. And also March corn futures uh, closed at 446 and a quarter. That's right at the 10-day moving average. How we do on Monday is going to be crucial on the week. March corn up seven, uh, no, up uh, three quarters of one cent. At least we're higher. Yeah, so it means we'll extended losses. Unfavorable Brazilian weather and a sharp drop in soybean meal futures today. Brazil weather will continue to be the wettest in the north for another week, according to world weather, with local flooding possible. Though no serious crop damage is expected, southern areas of Brazil will tend drier. USDA reported 100,000 metric tons of soy meal sales to unknown destinations during 23-24. March beans are facing support at 12.09 and three quarters, with additional support lying at 12 bucks at 11.96 and a half. Resistance. Initially stands at twelve twenty-eight and one half. March beans down thirteen and three quarter cents, twelve oh nine and a quarter. May beans fourteen cents lower, twelve sixteen and a quarter. July closed at twelve twenty-four, down thirteen and a half cents on the day. Michelle, down for the week though too though weren't we? Well, yes. March beans down four cents on yeah. the week this week. Yep. Okay. Well, March cotton. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, we've got unknown destinations showing up here for soy meal sales, and yet soy meal just can't go low enough fast enough today. I kind of don't get it. Uh, it's part of this basis thing in South America or in Brazil that we talked about. We can talk uh, about that with Ted a little later. Yep, Brazilian basis, of course. Well, March cotton was down 139 points today to 84.37 on the week, actually up 51 points 
On your march, cotton. Let's move over to the livestocks. Higher cash cattle trade lit a fire under cattle futures. After initial trade at $1 higher prices on Wednesday, cash cattle traded mostly $2 higher yesterday, Thursday. Today, February live cattle futures next Mary, a major area of resistance stands at the 100-day moving average. Feb live cattle firmed 72.5 cents to 178.45. April fats up 97 and one half cents to 181.67 and one half. March feeders firmed a buck 52 and a half to close at 239.70 on the week. Look out, February fat cattle up four dollars seven cents and one half. March feeders take the trophy up seven dollars. 75 cents a nice week there for the cattle complex michelle yep and above the 50 percent retracement level we talked about yesterday so i'm gonna mm-hmm. dig into that with ted Woo-hoo. well finally here following strong gains early this week lean hogs finished the week on an up note the february contract managed a genuine close above resistance suggesting more near-term strength ahead february hogs firmed 62 and a half cents to 74.92 and a half april hogs added 70 cents 83.25 michelle rook All right, we're going to see if livestock can continue these gains that we saw on a hot week this week. Brains lower, will that trend continue? And what about China and some of this inflation data we got out this week? Ted Seifert, the Ted Spread, joining us up next on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuck Wagon Cafe number one. Michelle, I got to jump in here. Michelle Rook <laughs> hosting AgriTalk today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I promise I'm going to sink into the shadows here just as soon as I fix a mistake I made. What'd I omitted the weekly close on uh, the weekly change on the February hog contract. Would you care to? Would you care to guess, Michelle? We're going to be uh, up. Yeah, up, up. Do I hear Ted in the background Earth. there? Ted Seifried? Yeah, buddy. Okay. Do you want to guess? Davis? How did, 
How did the February hog contract do on the week? I'm talking Friday close to today's close. Go. Up or low? Uh, whoa, definitely higher. Definitely higher? I mean, okay. oh, yeah. So I'm going to say what, $4. Almost 500 points? Five, okay, I'm so going to say got, five. So Michelle's at $4. Ted's at $500. It's a wide spread there. No, uh, no, Michelle, no. you're way closer. Points. You're taking the prize. Uh, $4, 17 and one half higher on the February lean hog contract today. That's a heck of a move on the week. And I'm going to uh, let you guys go ahead and converse. Agritone. I cheated. I, I had them in front of me, so. <laughs> yeah. That's not cheating. It's resourcefulness, Michelle. Wait That's cheat. what it is. Big difference. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. It's not cheating. I look at these every week because I'm always, always surprised at the weekly closes because how you trade during the week sometimes can feel so different than how we close at the end of the week, don't you think, Ted? Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I, I think that a lot of people would be surprised what happened with corn and soybeans uh, for this week. Uh, but yeah, weekly closes, that means a lot. It really does. Uh, especially, you know, when you, when you talk about trends, right? And, and so, you know, if you have an overall downtrend, uh, it, it's always means something when you have a weekly close higher. Right. Uh, especially by a significant amount, you know, because that makes you really wonder, okay, how's next week going to be? Was that just a uh, bounce off the low or is this a bit of a change in trend or the start of a bigger correction? Uh, and these were these were questions that I think we were asking ourselves a little bit more towards the middle of the week than they were at the yeah. end of the week. Uh, but yes, I, I do think the weekly charts and weekly closes mean a lot. Yeah. And I thought we were going to pull off maybe higher weekly closes in all the grains this week because soybeans really started the week well, but we ended up with some losses for the week. Now, I want to start off. Oh, if you're just tuning in, I didn't even introduce you. Ted Seifred from Zaner Ag Hedge out of Chicago, the Ted spread, if you're looking at his mm -hmm. X handle. And um, <laughs> Ted, always fun to have you along. I wanted to start off with just a question about the fact that we got out GDP information out yesterday um, from the fourth quarter, a little hotter than expected. PCE came in this morning, maybe a little hotter than expected. At the same time, we have the stock market, S&P, making new highs this week. And the reason I ask about this is, what does all this mean for money flow, especially when you talk about the commodity sector? Right. That's a good question. And Michelle, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think most of our listeners uh, recognize my voice. I think I, at this point I've hosted the show <laughs> like 280 something times. But uh, yes. OK, so to your question, um, you know, I'm going to say that the inflation numbers were, were kind of mixed because, you know, the core data that that is the Fed's preferred data right. um, came in below 3% for the first time in a really long time, basically, since we started all the stimulus for, for COVID. Um, and, you know, I, I think because of that, you had sort of mixed and muted reactions happening uh, across the board from the indices to the U.S. dollar index to commodities themselves. Uh, you know, by, by the end of the day, you had the stock market pretty flat you know you had the dow slightly higher and the sp slightly lower um you know the the dollar index didn't have a profound move today uh you know that was it was it was down 155 uh, but overall i mean it, it, this entire week we traded we treaded water sideways in the u.s dollar index so nothing big there crude wasn't up sharply or anything it was higher but then again it was down sharply yesterday so 
Again, not much of a reaction from the inflationary data. Well, I'll say this, though, uh, and I think this is what you're getting at, Michelle. From a broader perspective, inflation cooling off is not a bullish thing for commodities. Exactly. Yeah, when you have high levels of inflation, then you have commodity funds, index funds, really everybody needing to hedge against that inflation and their way of doing that is by getting things that have intrinsic value, just raw commodities, you know. And, and in the past, soybeans have really been the darling, one of the darlings of the inflationary hedge. Uh, but you can see on Friday that that was not something that uh, you had, uh, um, you know, the the institutional investors coming in big time to get involved in soybeans. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, we we may have saw a little bit of the opposite. No doubt. And I should clarify, because month over month and versus expectations on core PCE, we were up just a little bit. But as you say, we have slowed for, what, 11 months now. So it looks like the Fed is doing its job, keeping things under control here with what they've done in terms of monetary policy, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, I I, I think everybody was uh, afraid that we weren't able to have a soft landing, myself included. I think this is what a soft landing feels like. Now, whether it continues on this way or not, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, with the stock market continuing to make you highs, it makes it very difficult for the Fed to justify lowering rates like they said they would, you know, th- two to four times during the calendar year of, two, of 2024. Um, but I, I don't know if, if, if that's a, a realistic thing for them to be doing when you've got a, a a really hot and heavy stock market. Uh, the good news for them is that, yes, um, we're not seeing, um, well, inflation is coming down, right? Uh, so right. now they're going to have to watch that number closely because if it gets too low, that means that uh, you know the opposite of stimulating the economy is happening and that, that they do have to lower rates. But again, I think that stock market really pre- precludes them from doing it. Um, and, and overall, you know, broader picture, like we just mentioned, this is not a bullish thing for commodities. This is a much different right. climate that we're trading in today than it was a year ago, or especially two years ago, uh, or even three years ago when we were just getting stimulus package after stimulus package. This this is not that same situation. We're not printing money. We're not seeing r- rampant inflation. We don't have to see commodity prices go higher just because the dollar is worth less you know, with all the, the, the dollar supply that we're dumping into the market. Right. Again, it's, this, is, this is a different climate, Michelle, and I think people have to realize that. Yeah. And again, when you look at the fund short position in the grains, when you add up everything, corn, soybeans, products, and the three wheat exchanges, it's very short. How does it compare historically? Yeah, no, it's really short. And it's very short. I, I don't like talking about well i mean it's it's always interesting when when something sets a record you know i mean something to talk about but you know i don't really like comparing years uh fun short positions from one year to the next because you know there is inflation there is different amounts the of environment these different. are different the environment's different um every time it's different right and and when you have a situation like this there's a lot more uh, fund powder, meaning they, they've got a lot more money to work with than the last time that they had a record short position, right? Sure. So I, I don't think I don't think it does us justice to say, hey, you know, we're getting close to record short, or the funds are getting close to record short positions. 
Yeah, but again, different climate, different situation. I think a lot more money, uh, they've got a lot more money to work with. I, I don't think, I think it's dangerous to think that they would have to stop here. I think they've got a lot more uh, room to, to continue to grow that short position, especially since a lot of that short position is on a winning side of the trade and ha- has been there for a while. Uh, I think they've got a lot of funds to work with, and I haven't right. seen anything really coming from anywhere uh, to give them a reason to get scared out of those positions. Yeah, that trend has been working for them. How long did they stay short in the market, though? I mean, you like you said, they have a little powder to go a little bit shorter, and that's going to continue to kind of keep a lid here on these grain prices, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and so, you know, for the most part, we we always say, you know, they're, they're technical in nature. You know, they, they really follow charts. And, and when you have a week like we just did in corn and soybeans where, you know, uh, we tried to have a, a a fairly decent bounce. You know, one point soybeans were forty three cents off the lows from last yeah. Thursday, um, but we ended the week down on the week. Right? These are not the sorts of things that are going to dissuade them from adding to that short position, or, or let alone get out of the short position. I think they will continue to pile onto it, and then you really wonder, you know, how much do they pay attention to fundamentals, right? Um, because the macro fundamentals are that you know, inflation is really cooling off. Um, We're not quite to the point of deflation yet, but they have no reason to be aggressively buying or covering shorts on an inflationary perspective. And then for individual market uh, fundamentals, you know, I I think you can, let's talk more about soybeans here, I guess, after the break, because I have a... I have a theory on what's going on there with the soybean market. I was going to ask you about that. We will talk about it when we come back. Ted Seifert, the Ted Spread, joining us here on AgriTalk. We'll be back after the break. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March hard red winter wheat futures were 12 and one quarter cents lower, 624 and three quarters. March SRW wheat slipped 12 cents to six bucks and one quarter cent. March corn futures fell five and a half to 446 and one quarter. May corn down five and a half, 455 and three quarter. May, uh, excuse me, March soybean futures softened 13 and three quarter cents to 1209 and one quarter. May beans, 14 cents lower, 12.16 and a quarter. March cotton, down 139 points, 84.37. On your livestock, uh, February fat cattle up 72 and a half, 178.45. March feeders up about 52 and a half to close at 239.70. February lean hogs up 62 and a half cents, 74.92 and a half. Get more market news every market day. Try ProFarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Sand the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. 
shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook, and for the last day here for Chip Flory, Ted Seifert, Zener Ag Hedge, is joining us here this afternoon. Uh, Ted, before the break, we were kind of getting on the verge of kind of talking or breaking down this week's grain trade and soybeans. You know, we started off the week pretty good, but the last two days we've been seeing some pretty good selling pressure. So is some of that tied to what's going on in Brazil right now with basis levels and whatnot? Well, yeah, I mean, sure is, Michelle. I mean, we've, we've passed the window of opportunity to rally on a Brazilian weather market for the first season soybean crop. We have now gotten into the time frame of harvest pressure which is something we talk about during our growing season or at the end of our growing season. But it's also a very real thing in Brazil because we are about to lose our competitive advantage uh, for, for, you know, our global market share for export sales. Um, and that would end the window of our export season for soybeans for the most part. That is really bad news, especially since we had a pretty poor week of sales uh, as reported on export sales on Thursday, yeah. especially when you throw in a, a, a reduction for unknown destinations of 235,000 metric tons. So, Michelle, the question is, why didn't we rally based on a pretty profound uh, Brazilian weather problem? Uh, you know, everybody was saying, wow, this is one of the driest, uh, growing seasons Mato Grosso has ever had. And Mato Grosso is like 22% of their overall soybean crop. That is a big deal. And it wasn't just them. Brazil as a whole had issues, whether it was too dry, too wet yet. Soybeans have done nothing but go down. What, what's the deal with that? So is it the lack of demand China specifically? Well, that's a good question. You know, we've heard a lot of different uh, estimates for this Brazilian crop, um, and a lot of them have come down to, you know, 141 or even in the 130s compared to where they started at 165. Massive, massive reductions. But the Chinese know better than we do. The Chinese probably know better than the Brazilians. They have people on the ground. They use satellites. You know, they have, they have a whole lot of intel because they have a very high interest in what happens with that Brazilian soybean crop. And yet we have not seen significant buying on our export sales from China. And why? And, and you know, either that suggests that they're not the concerned. Brazilian crop is not as... Yeah, they're not concerned for what for what reason though right it either means right. that the brazilian crop's not as bad as some of these low ball estimates that you're hearing or it means that they don't have the demand 
or a combination of the two. And I think it is kind of a combination of the two. But the question is the demand side of, of things. Well, how do they how would they not have demand? Because if you talk to most, uh, you know, the soybean cash uh, traders and export guys, they'll say, well, you know, China's severely underbooked for April, May, June time frame. Right. Uh, where's that buying? Why isn't it coming to us? What's happening? That and most of them will say, well, it's still coming. But then I'm going to say, Michelle, look at the record corn imports that they've had for this marketing year so far. And that comes after they said they had a record corn crop. Now, the narrative right now is that, right. oh, no, that wasn't a record corn crop. That's China being China, manipulating numbers and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But what I am going to say is that China for five or six years now has been trying to publicly trying to change their feed rations. They've historically fed a very, very heavy amount of soybean meal in their pork feed rations in order to get you know, fatty, marbled pork. That is their taste. It's kind of like what we like in our steaks. And that's great. But with a slowing Chinese economy and high priced pork because of these the, the soybean meal intensive feed rations that they're feeding, their demand has dropped dramatically. So I think what they're what they've got is they finally are getting that that shift in their feed rations from roughly 40 percent soybean meal uh, to now maybe 20%. And they're using a lot more corn because of it, but they're also using a lot less soybeans because of it. Yeah. And this is a very big concern for me because if that's the, if that's the case and that stays that way, that could be a, a very significant drop in soybean demand going forward. And we might be sitting on top of the sort of an unprecedented time of soybean demand dr dropping fairly dramatically from China rather than growing year after year after year. And if that's the case, that's a problem for soybeans, not just for our market, for, for the Brazilians as well. And it really means that we're going to need to find another outlet, another source of demand in order to offset what might be lower exports to China from both the U.S. and Brazil. Uh, so that's that's, I think, what the market is wrestling with right now. Sure. The focus has been on production in South American and Brazilian weather problems, but we haven't rallied because of it. So there's got to be a reason if you read between the lines and you look at the corn imports China has and, and the fact that they have been wanting to change their feed rations for a long time. And this the weak economy that they have right now would be a perfect reason, perfect timing for that to happen. That's my concern. And now you put that together with the fact that China is approving GMO soybean corn. and corn seed yeah. to be planted into their into their soil. Historically, they've not approved GMO to be planted domestically in China because their ground's sacred and putting something that's genetically modified into their ground was a big no-no. But now they're doing that. And what that could do, Michelle, is that could double their yields. And if that happens, that's another big, big cut to what the export, uh, what their import demand is going to be from both the U.S. and uh, South America. So, so there are some real concerning things on the horizon for soybeans and our, our business with China. So the telltale sign, don't you think, though, is the fact that if you look at prices in China, soybean meal, soybeans, they have all dropped quite substantially and crush margins are down there too, aren't there? Bingo. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that uh, if I didn't mention that, that's that's all part of the puzzle. Right. And, and you know, how how are soybean prices dropping if they're not importing uh, or, or at least have the 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 sales or the 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 future imports on the books? 
their prices should be rising and encouraging them to fill those needs, but they don't have those needs and their crush margins are poor. Again, to me, that says they're using a lot less soybean meal and using a lot more corn because, again, huge corn imports. Unfortunately, those corn imports haven't been coming from us. They've been coming from their new corn trading partner, Brazil. Brazil is the huge winner there. And then also look at the Ukraine. Somehow the Ukraine continues to feed China corn uh, on similar levels that they have been for years and years and years. Uh, the, the Ukrainian corn exports to China really haven't even flinched, uh, throughout this entire, you know, con- uh, the war, uh, with Russia. Uh, and that's wild. Uh, but our exports to China, our corn exports to China have gone from what? 24,000 metric tons, or I'm sorry, 24 million metric tons a couple of years ago to now what? 8 million metric tons. So we are suffering despite the fact that they have a record amount of corn imports for this, this current marketing year. It's not coming from us, you know? And again, so I'm worried about business with China as a whole for soybeans in particular, but corn as well. Um, And that means that we, we really have to kind of, I'm a, I'm afraid we have to brace for some, some kind of negative times. It will, it will, eventually correct itself we will find that new demand and and again sustainable aviation that's the big i was gonna say is it our bioeconomy that's gonna save us or what biofuels yeah i think so michelle but how how quickly can we build the capacity because in order to make biofuels we have to have crush facilities you know and and it takes time to put that infrastructure in there's a lot of plants that are on the books to be to uh uh, to be put into production, but you know, some of those have kind of fallen off. I I honestly think that you don't really see that huge boom in, in, uh, investment into this infrastructure until soybean prices are lower than what we want to even talk about right now, Michelle. Right. So what do you think is the bridge to get us there then in that meantime? $9 beans. Oh, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know. Uh, if there is your prices, right? I, prices. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. All right. The other thing I want to ask you about, you're a technician, cattle market making new highs for the move here today. And we mm-hmm. had feeder cattle got above the 50% retracement. Live cattle did not, just shy of it. Um, if we get above those mm-hmm. levels in both, um, where do we go to? Where do we project to? And are we getting, is the market getting ahead of itself? Well, you know, Mich- Michelle, as a technician, I don't like V bottoms, but I, I will say and have said many times that the one sector of markets that I'm okay with it is the livestock sector. We we do occasionally put in just these V bottoms in livestock. Uh, and that's what we have. You know, beginning of December, when we put our lows in both feeder cattle and live cattle, uh, we are well off those now. We didn't test those. We never went back and tested those lows. We were down there for three days. And then we we've been higher ever since. True. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't know what I will say is that we had the big reversal higher day yesterday. It was a very strong day. It, it was really good that on Friday today, we, we not only held those gains, but we extended them, albeit modestly, but we did extend those gains on Friday. That's fantastic. Uh, the problem that I have is that, you know, uh, fed fat cattle are running right into uh, the 100 day moving average right True. at 180. So we could see a little bit of a pullback um, back towards the lower end of this trending channel. Uh, but I still think there's more upside potential. You saw cash trade higher this week on some higher volume, the highest volume that we've seen since the beginning of the calendar year, you know, no 175s, 176s trading all over. 
Um, I think there's room for that to go higher. I think domestic demand stays really strong. Uh, so I'm optimistic. I, I think pull back first, but then eventually I think we get up and over that 180 mark uh, for, for the fat cattle. And then feeders you know, look really good. They have closed over the 100-day moving average exactly. and just shy of the 200. So I think there's more upside potential there, albeit we could see it pull back before that happens. Funds are back in there buying, though, it looks like, huh? And their powder's kind of dry. Does look like it. Sure is. All right. Well, we'll see if we can get some additional buying, especially as we go into that cattle inventory report next week. I think uh, there's some bullish expectations there. All right. We're going to be back with Ted Seifert, Zaner Ag Hedge. Uh, We'll talk about lots of stuff, including some marketing tips coming up on Agriculture. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuckwagon Cafe number one. Welcome back to the Friday edition of AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory today. Ted Seifred, the Ted Spread Zaner Ag Hedge is joining us. And Davis Michelson is coming back in to join us for this segment. Just a couple of questions, because I know you've got some things you want to cover yet. But, Ted, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that um, the Ukraine grain flows into China are unabated Mm -hmm. here. Do you you know, is that an overland Mm -hmm. route? Is that what they're doing? Can they? No. No. There's really no direct overland route to move that size. Six million metric tons is a lot of a lot of corn. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's got to be going. It's got to be moving by ship. And and I don't know. I mean, we know that China and Russia, they're friends, you know, so Mm -hmm. I I don't know if there's certain ships that China is like, hey, Russia, uh, leave these guys fine. (laughs) And they're good. Safe passage. Safe passage. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. That could be. It's wild to me that uh, there's there's really there's really not been any any disruption uh yeah. in ukrainian exports to china yeah. um 
And then the increase in Brazil is just, I mean, the, well, Brazil went from zero to hero in a, in a huge way. Right. And, you know, we've been talking and we even talked about it this morning on the uh, on the free for all. Once demand is lost, it's gone, baby. Is that the case with this demand here? I mean, you set up quite the dismal demand picture for soybeans coming up here in the next couple of years. Yeah. Maybe not immediately, but right away, man, we're in trouble here, dude. Yeah, he's Debbie Downer today. A little Ooh. bit, Michelle. I'll let you yeah, take it sorry. from here, but th- I just Friday. wanted to throw that Whoops. in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, uh, no, I'm bullish when, when I should be bullish. Right. But I mean, sure. look what You're the realist doing, look yeah. what the price action's telling you. Right. I mean, we, we just had a, a major weather issue in Brazil and we couldn't rally at all. In fact, we were down significantly over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, right? So we gotta be, we gotta be searching for answers. We need to be realistic with ourselves. And, and yes, we, we are coming off of some really good times, but we can't expect that to always be the case. And we know these things go in cycles. And unfortunately, the feel of everything, the fact that we couldn't rally on a, on a major weather issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that just has to be a wake up call. And, and I'm sorry if I'm sounding the alarm, but I am I, with the Brazilian feed yeah. rations. I could be co- I could be totally wrong about that. They could be just importing all that corn because their crop. was. How do you know? Terrible. How do you know? China lies yeah. all the time. Well, it. it's it's China. It's China. So, but that's that's the best case scenario, and, and that their feed rations haven't changed, and soybean demand will snap back, and there's still more export sales to come. Well, but I think dude, you got to look at the worst case scenarios right now. And I was more pessimistic than you in that moment when Michelle asked you, "Well, what does that look like?" And you said nine dollar beans. I was thinking eight handle beans. So who's you know yeah. who's the perma bear here? <laughs> so twelve dollar beans well, at this so, point still look pretty darn good. Then agreed to you. Yeah, absolutely. $12 beans look pretty darn good. I mean, historically, go back to 2018 when, when people were begging for, you know, $455 corn and $12 beans. Well, okay, I get it. You know, we've had to endure some higher input costs. And, and you know, if you haven't been aggressive selling when prices were a lot better, you know, and I'm specifically talking old crop corn right now. Yeah, this is a fairly painful experience. But, you know, take your eyes and, and go look at new crop. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the prices that we've been enjoying, but uh, historic, it's not, there's not a three in front of corn right now. I mean, we're just shy of 480 December corn. That's not a terrible price. Uh, and, and we're just shy of 12 hour November beans. So uh, yeah, I, I think you gotta be vigilant. You know, I, I don't think this is a time to stick your head in the sand and just say, you know, I, I've, I've been complacent. I didn't get aggressive in marketing the last couple of years and it all worked out for me because prices ended up being better. And I don't think this is the climate for that. For, we started off with inflation. There's a completely different macroeconomic climate. I think you need to realize that. I, there's a completely different macroeconomic climate in, in, in China. That is a big problem for us and for, right. for exports. You know, you have to realize that. Production has really come on. We just had a, a 177 national average corn yield, believe it or not, in, in one of the most difficult growing seasons that we've had since 2012, or right. the most difficult growing season that we've had since 2012. So, wow. I mean, you put all those things together and, you, and it's, 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 yeah, a we much get a good season narrative. and look kind of what kind of production we're going to have. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, let's say a, a normal season. Does that a 181 yeah. next year? Uh, I don't know. What's a good season? Um, what did USDA use? U of I. Yeah, just flat what trend. will USDA use at the Outlook Forum in February, Ted? 
I'm pretty sure it's a 181.5. Okay. But I mean, wow. you know, uh, 10 bushel an acre on good weather. Could we scratch the 190s? Wow. I don't know. So I, I there's an argument that's been going on for years, uh, for the last few years of, hey, is have we is this trend line flattening out because our seed technology is is, you know, flattening out. Right. We're not making the the huge leaps and bounds that we were in the 2008 to 2000, you know, 14, 15 timeframe. And, and I think that's a very legitimate argument, but a big problem for that argument was this past year where we ended up with a 177 in a very difficult growing season. So no now doubt. you have to wonder again, again, you have to think, okay, maybe, maybe that flatlining of, of trend line yield isn't the case. And if we have a good year, could we be mid to upper 180s? And I don't even want to say 190, but I, I, I can't say that's out of the realm of possibilities. You know, that's that's yeah. scary. If that happens, we could easily be pushing up to a three billion bushel inning stocks figure. And these prices yeah, that we have would would look very good. Um, so, again, your last advice to folks marketing wise is just do something right now. Right. Yeah. Don't be complacent. Also, don't don't shoot Ted for being the bearer of bad news. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong about everything, folks. I really, really do. I just think you need, we need to be thinking about these things right now. And so I'm the one to make you do it, I guess. But yeah, you're not um, wrong. yes, don't don't be complacent. You can always use reownership strategies to the upside. But I don't know what sort of weather issue we'd have to have to get a big rally. I think the market's going to be jaded and very reluctant to rally on weather during our growing season because of what happened last year. So I would feel fairly comfortable making sales uh, at this point. That may be the other reason why we couldn't get much of a rally out of beans on the South American weather too. But all right, Ted, thanks for joining us. Ted Seifert, Zaner Ag Hedge. That wraps it up for me here for the week. I'm Michelle Rook. Uh, take thanks to Davis Michelson and to our producer, Joe Stackler. Chip will be back next week. Thanks for joining us for After Talk. <laughs>